It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, filling in for JT today is Harry Ruiz. One last address rehearsal. One last opportunity to impress. One last chance to raise your hand and say, here I am and I deserve to be on a 53-man roster. That's what's going down tomorrow at AT AT&T Stadium when the Raiders face the Dallas Cowboys. Harry Ruiz here with you today for our number two of the JT The Brick Show. And that's what it's all about. Not only in football, but in life. Opportunities. What can you make out of them? What can you make when you're out there and all the pressure is on the line and you got to perform and you have to be able to impress to keep going forward? And both the Raiders and the Cowboys hopefully have tough decisions to make when it comes to their 53-man roster because Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific time, that's when you have to have your roster as an NFL team trimmed down to 53 men. It's definitely going to be interesting, and I'm here for it. Let's go back to our phone line because we have our next guest lined up here for you today. This guy covers the Cowboys both in English and and in Spanish, Mauricio Rodriguez from A to Z Sports and also from Primero Cowboys on YouTube. Mauricio, a pleasure talking to you, my man. Are you excited about tomorrow's game? Man, I am excited about the game, Harry. Thank you for having me on the show. But I'm also super excited to have the preseason come to an end because I know that you are the same as me. We are ready for some regular season football. But first, let's see these players try to perform their best to get into the 53-man roster, right? Absolutely, and you know what? I'm on the same boat. Yeah, I'm happy to see some guys that are trying to make their case to be on one of those rosters because at the end of the day, you're showing your skills not only for the teams that you're playing but also for the the rest of the NFL. And I got to ask you, who has filled your eye and be able to just shine in the time that the Cowboys have played so far in the preseason in both of their games, which they're 0-2, but they've been able to do some things that caught your eye? I've got to start with the obvious one, and maybe Raiders fans know about him as well, because I feel like the entire country feels about uh, knows about them, but I'm going to start with running back Duke Vaughn at five foot five, five foot six, whatever you want to call it. Uh, he's a short running back man out of Kansas State, and he was a six-pound draft pick for the Cowboys. The one concern about Duke has always been his size. Can he perform in the NFL being that small in the NFL, right? So in the first couple of preseason games, he's proven that, yes, he can go out there and he can perform. He's been hitting the speed button. He's been using defenders. He's been getting to the second level, working the same magic, really, that he did at Kansas State. So it's gotten to the point where you really start wondering, hey, can this guy not only stay on the roster, but I think six-round draft picks, can he be the backup running back for the Cowboys and be the number two guy behind Connie Pollard? And I believe that based on what we've seen so far, he really can do it. He really can do it. Number 42, 
if you are a Raiders fan, I get it. You want to see the Raiders defense perform, but keep an eye out for number 42 because that guy is fun to watch in the football field. Yeah, and doing my research for the game, I looked at Deuce's numbers, and they were incredible. It's obvious why he was ended up being a unanimous All-American last year with Kansas State. You look at those carries, almost 1,600 yards, 42 catches for almost 400 yards, and a guy that gets you 2,000 yards in a collegiate level, that's something that keeps your eye on. But the, the height, 5'5", five, five, I mean, not a lot of players get to be successful with that kind of height, so it's definitely going to be something that we keep our eye on. Now, overall... The Cowboys, going into the 23 season, what are they trying to get out of this final preseason game that they haven't gotten yet uh, on their point of view with Mike McCarthy back as their head coach? I'm going to go with the defensive backfield. And this is why I'm very excited about tomorrow night's game because, you know, you're getting a big test versus Aiden McConnell, who's been playing as one of the best quarterbacks in the preseason. And I think that we all know that, hey, with God's Trayvon Diggs, Old pro defender, they've got Stephon Gilmore at the cornerbacks, defensive player of the year. But in the back in the back end of things, in the depth chart, you still want to see some of these backup cornerbacks to step up tomorrow night because that is a shaky depth chart that the Cowboys have at a cornerback. You know, you do have some versatile players that can work for you in a pinch, but I want to see somebody, uh, and I'm looking specifically at, say, Six-round draft pick cornerback Eric Scott. I want to see them perform well on the outside because one thing about the Cowboys' first couple of preseason games is they've given up a lot of big plays. So you know you're going off against O'Connell. He hasn't been afraid to push the football downfield. It's a big test for them. I want to see the Cowboys' backup secondary have someone stand up and really uh, make their case to be the backups when when the season starts offensively for the Cowboys, the team that the Raiders are playing tomorrow, and you'll be able to listen to the game here live on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM in English and in Spanish on Deportes Vegas 1460 AM, which, by the way, I will also have Mauricio as a guest in the pregame show. Uh, Offensively, Dak Prescott, he comes back to the Cowboys. You hope to keep him healthy, but behind him, how's that competition going between Cooper Rush and also Will, Will Greer? I think Will Greer has lost the battle, honestly, at this point. He would need a major game on Saturday night versus the Raiders to maybe change the way that the coaches are thinking about him. Because Cooper Rush, he is the game manager, right? He is the consummate game manager, has already won games for the Cowboys in previous regular season. And he is a safe option that he's going to just not really look to the football, but, but maybe keep the chains moving and let the defense and the run game do the thing if they need him to play, while Will Greer is this bunt winger that will make some erratic, erratic throws here and there, but also has the superior arm talent to Cooper Rush. However, I think that knowing what the Cowboys coaching staff and the Cowboys front office looks for, this is a conversation that is pretty much close. I think that Cooper Rush's job to lose, and I don't think that Will Greer can go out there and win it on Saturday night unless it's really a major, crazy performance that we really have not seen him put together yet. We're talking with Mauricio Rodriguez, who covers the Cowboys for A to Z Sports. Also, check out, of course, his YouTube channel, Primero Cowboys, where he does coverage of the Vaqueros in Espanol. Uh, Mauricio, this is the first time in a while that you guys don't have your offensive coordinator as Kellen Moore. McCarthy taking over the play-calling duties. How much are the Cowboys going to miss Kellen Moore? 
I think I think that it was a change that, you know, it was time for it. And I really like what Kellen Moore did for the Cowboys while he was calling the shots on the offensive side of things. I mean, the numbers say, say it all. During his time as offensive coordinator, they were top five in nearly every offensive category that you can think of. But with McCarthy, it's going to be a mindset shift that we have not seen since before Jason Garrett was calling the shots defensively for the Cowboys. So we're talking over a decade here. So I, I like the change. You know, the Cowboys have been saying that it's going to be a 30% change, offensively speaking. But I think they're just talking about the language of the playbook and maybe the plays within the playbook. But, you know, from a play-calling perspective, I think the change is going to be much bigger than that. Killing Moore, and you're going to see it now that he's with the Chargers, big fan of stop routes. He loves to receivers running kitchen and all of that. But with McCarthy, we know from his Green Bay Packers days, we're going to see a lot of lengths. We're going to see a lot of crossing routes. And perhaps a more QB-friendly offense for that Prescott, because that's one thing that we cannot take away from Mike McCarthy is how friendly he is when it comes to having his quarterback really own the offense. And I think we're starting to see that already in training camp. So excited about it. Uh, I know that maybe the numbers and the stats maybe will not back up at the end of the season. But come playoff time, I think that the Cowboys are going to be a little bit better when it comes to situational offense with Mike McCarthy calling the shots. How much will Kellen Moore help the Chargers, a divisional opponent for the Raiders? Because we know that they got Boy Wonder out there, Justin Herbert. But at the end of the day, you look at those matchups between these three teams, and it's been, they've, sorry, between these two teams the last three years, Raiders, Chargers, they've split them. I think, I think it's going to help them out. I know that they have some, some, you know, problems with the offensive play calling over there with Joe Lombardi and all of that, but. This time around, with Kellen Moore working together with Justin Herbert, I think that's a combination that really works well together. You know, big-armed quarterbacks can really stretch the field vertically. I think that Kellen Moore really mesh very well with that. Uh, And keep in mind, Moore had his mistakes and had his trouble, but the guy has been coaching for like five years. And we lose sight of that because his rise to offensive coordinator was very quick with the Cowboys. But he's been coaching in the NFL for very little time. So I think that that is a major thing that we lose sight of. I think that Kellen Moore still has to evolve as a coach, and I think that he is well set up there with the Chargers. Mauricio Rodriguez is our guest at this time here on Raider Nation Radio on the JT The Brick Show. And my final question, Mauricio, can you try to explain to our folks listening to today's uh, show about the importance of both the Raiders and the Cowboys in the Mexican culture? You're calling in from Chihuahua, Mexico, from El Estado Grande. How big is it for these fan bases out there in Mexico that they're facing off against each other? Muy grande, very grande for, for, the, for the Mexican fans. Because I know that, hey, when you're talking about the Steelers, when you're talking about the 49ers, the Cowboys, the Raiders, and lately, you know, the Patriots because of the time rating years, they, they really take over certain Mexican fan bases. And it gets to the point where some fans here in Mexico consider these rivalries bigger than a the divisional rivalry. So I know people here in Mexico that will straight up tell you that, hey, you know, Raiders and the Cowboys have a bigger rivalry than they do with the Broncos and the Chiefs and the Chargers, which is obviously not true, at least for the NFL team, 
But for the fan bases here in Mexico, it really matters a lot. So even if it's just a preseason game, I know that fans are going to be, you know, aiming to win those bragging rights for all of 2023 since the Raiders and the Cowboys do not play each other this regular season. So it's definitely bigger than I think uh, fans in the U.S. would imagine. Hey, whoever loses pays for the first order of tacos, Mauricio, all right? Yeah, the first two orders. The first two orders, please. Okay, perfect. Hey, you, you're 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 a skinny guy. I I was like, hey, we go with one. To be fair, you you got two. All right, let's do it. Mauricio Rodriguez, where can people follow you on social media? Where you do a fantastic job covering the Cowboys. I know where I can find you, but tell the folks where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me on Twitter over at at Mau NFL. That's M A U N F L, and I do a lot of bilingual tweets there. Uh, basically, whatever the mood is, I'll just sometimes throw something in Spanish, something in English. And you can also find me over on YouTube at ABZ Sports Dallas. Uh, if you want to check out my show in English about the Cowboys, and of course the articles over at ABZSports.com, you can also find me there. Fantastic. And also for any Radio Nation member listening that also speaks Spanish, check out Primero Cowboys. I know it's not about the Raiders, but show love to people that show love out here to us. Mauricio, muchas gracias, mi hermano. Thank you so much, Harry, and I'll speak to you tomorrow on the pregame show. And thank you to all of you over on the Raiders Network. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Mauricio Rodriguez joining us live all the way from Mexico. He covers the Cowboys and he does a fantastic job doing so. Let's keep it going here on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM, the JT The Brick Show, our final show before the final preseason game of 2023 for the Silver and Black. 702-365-9200. The phone lines are open for you, Raider Nation. Of course, a big topic of conversation is what's up? with Josh Jacobs. Is he going to be able to come back? Is he going to be with the silver and black once the season starts? Of course, the hope is that that's the case. Ruben from Vegas called in before we went to our last commercial break, and he felt a little bit on the wrong side because he wouldn't see Josh Jacobs' jerseys at the Raider Image. I explained to him why that isn't the case. Shout out to everybody at the Raider Image all around town, by the way, not only at Allegiant Stadium, which is the biggest store, which is my favorite store every time I go there, but they got stores all over Las Vegas for you to get your your Raider gear. I'll be going soon because I saw that the Raider Reds calendar is coming out very shortly. They did their reveal yesterday and they put those out and I'm a big fan of the Raider Reds, so I'll be buying one so I can get it signed by our football's fabulous females. They do a great job representing the Raiders all over town, but speaking about Josh Jacobs, when will he come back? Will he come back? Will he be ready once he comes back. There's a lot of questions surrounding the Josh Jacobs situations, and I shared with our producer Bobby a soundbite from Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, who was asked about why he plays his players in the preseason and other teams don't. Let's hear what he had to say, how he analyzed that. I don't really need validation. I just think it's difficult to box without sparring. And, and so, you know, preseason the opportunity for us to spar and sharpen our sword for the battle. And there you go. I actually, I hadn't heard this soundbite until an hour before I came into the studios earlier this morning. And I spoke about that way when it came to Josh Jacobs, when I did my weekly hit with the folks from the morning tailgate, shout out to Lindsay, shout out to Clay, shout out to Vinny. And they asked me, well, Josh Jacobs be ready if he shows up a week short. And I was like, Hey, you want that contact. You want to get those hits 
during practice. You want to get that feeling in your body of being football ready and not just being, I'm a football player. I can play football anytime. It's like, no, there's a reason why the football teams in the NFL have OTAs. There's a reason why they have mandatory mini camps. There's a reason why they have training camps. There's a reason why they have those joint practices with other teams. There's a reason why they play preseason football games. And heck, ask Jimmy G. He got lit in one of those plays that he was on the field during last week's game. And it's all about getting your body football ready. And if Josh Jacobs showed up, Friday before the game on Sunday, I would doubt that he plays. But if he shows up next week, I would be more confident on him being able to get some practices under his belt and at least be able to be out on the field on a pitch count. I wouldn't feel comfortable with him carrying the ball 30, 40 times, but if he's on a 10 to 15 carry pitch count, I'd like to have him out there. And same thing. That would be pretty much his preseason, his his training camp, his OTAs but just in live action in snaps that matter. So that's just my opinion, and I loved it that Mike Tomlin said it, and I was like, hey, there you go. It validates the point that I brought up without knowing that he used the pretty much the same words because I said a boxer, if he goes into a fight on two days' notice, it's going to be tough for him. It's going to be difficult for him to get in that ring. And, yes, he has the skills, he has the speed, he has the power, But if he doesn't have the preparation, it's going to be tough for him to be able to deliver in the way he should, to perform in the way that he wants to do so. Getting ready is a big part of the game. Heck, preparation, in my opinion, it's two-thirds of the game, if not more. And this is what we need once Josh Jacobs steps foot in the building. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. Just get his body football ready when it comes to contact. You can't imitate that in any other kind of environment. Yes, I I trust that Josh is getting ready when it comes to his physical game. I know that he's getting his body ready when it comes to not being in his couch eating donuts every day, like me, and being able to have that physique ready to get on the field and get those running running drills in, get all those being able to be under outdoors for three hours, uh, running around and getting uh, all those physical things that you need to do on the field. I trust that Josh Jacobs is getting ready. Last year, he did a fantastic job before he came in for OTAs and training camp. He was ready. I trust that he's doing the same thing right now and that he's going to arrive in the facility and everybody's going to say, like, damn, 28, well, not 28. Number eight looks good. Let's have him out there on the field and let's get him ready. Same thing, Tyree Wilson. First day that he w- he got physical in practice, it was just individual drills. You don't expect him to go out there on 11 on 11s on the first day, right? It's just getting into that football rhythm like the rest of of your teammates and somewhere where I know that everybody's always having a great time and having a party is at the Golden Monkey Tiki Lounge, the brand new Tiki Lounge over at Resorts World. It's the ultimate tropical getaway. Enjoy their delicious island-inspired cocktails and soak up the lively atmosphere. Local special, heads up for everybody from Vegas. Buy one, get one free every night from 8 p.m. all the way until midnight. Check them out. They're located near the Hilton Lobby at Resorts World. Let's go to a break, Raider Nation, and we're going to keep it rolling here on Raider Nation Radio on the JT LeBrick Show. Call in 702-365-9200. Let's close a week strong, baby. 
back to the JT The Brick Show with today's guest host, Harry Ruiz. What's his next team if he does go? And even, you know, depending on, I mean, five years from now, is Trey Lance even going to be playing football? That's a question I would have, you know, because we just haven't seen enough to know anything about what he can do. Peter King speaking about Trey Lance, the now third-string quarterback with the San Francisco 49ers. A drama out there in the Bay. Of course, the front office and the folks in the coaching staff would love to keep Trey Lance, but I don't know if Trey Lance wants to stay in San Francisco if he's the third-string quarterback. If there were Heck, the day that they did the announcement, he wasn't out there on the field practicing with San Francisco. So definitely interesting drama going on out there. Who would have thought, right? Sam Darnold would end up being the backup quarterback in San Francisco after failing pretty much during his whole NFL career since being drafted third overall in 2018. And then Trey Lance gets drafted third overall in 2021. And those two guys were fighting behind Mr. Irrelevant Brock Purdy from last year's draft. It's the NFL. It's the drama. It's the you don't know what's going to happen, even though you got people saying that there is uh, the scripts in the NFL being passed along. That's what I love about sports. You never know. The Mr. Irrelevant might end up having more success in the league than a number one draft pick like Johnny Manziel. And that's what's going down right now. There was football action in the NFL preseason. Week number three kicked off last night. The Pittsburgh Steelers, just as we heard with Mike Tomlin not long ago, played their starters in that game against the Atlanta Falcons, including their starting quarterback, Kenny Pickett. Robinson in the slot inside Pickens. Pickett with a blitz coming. Picked up by the back, throwing down the near sideline for Pickens. Catches it inside the five-yard line, and he's tackled at the one. What a play by George Pickens, and what a pass by Kenny Pickett. Oh, cut it out, Billy. You got to be kidding me. You got to be here to believe what you just saw. I bet that's fun for those announcers, right? You got the quarterback, Kenny Pickett, and then you got the star wide receiver, George Pickens. Pickett. Pickens and you, that's going to be confusing. But a big play right there ended up being a long pass for a touchdown a little bit later with the rush. So the Steelers, they blanked the Atlanta Falcons 24 to nothing. And, of course, the Steelers, a team that we're keeping our eye on because the Raiders are going to be playing their home opener on week three, September 24th, 5.20 p.m., Sunday night football at Allegiant Stadium out here in Las Vegas. That's definitely going to be fun for all the Raiders. Raider Nation to be able to get together. I don't want to see, I can't imagine how many terrible towels there's going to be at Allegiant Stadium. And unfortunately, there's going to be, I was going to say, I don't want to see them, but you know that those Steeler fans are going to bring them out here to Las Vegas. It's their first trip to Las Vegas. It's their first opportunity to come out here, enjoy a weekend of fun in Vegas, and then close it off with a football game with their team in town. So Raider Nation, please, as JT LeBrick says, if you got tickets and you want to sell them, sell them to a Raider fan. Don't sell them online to somebody that might end up being a fan from the opposing team. And I know I'm just saying this, and it's going to happen either way. There's going to be tons of Steeler fans in town. So hopefully it's one of those trips 
where they come to town, they spend all their money, and they go back home with a big fat loss in their pockets. Also, another game that went down yesterday had the Indianapolis Colts facing the defending NFC champions, Philadelphia Eagles. Shotgun snap, inside handoff, Deion Jackson, and he is in there. Touchdown, Deion Jackson. A rushing score for the Colts running back out of Duke. Four carries, eight yards for Deion Jackson, including that touchdown that you just heard. Kenyon Drake, former Raider, who might be in line to be the starting running back with all that running running back drama in Indianapolis. He ended up with five carries for 21 yards, a very respectable 4.2 average in yesterday's game. Anthony Richardson, a guy that we're going to keep our eye on, six completions and 17 attempts. Wow. That's less than 50%. 78 yards, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions, five carries, 38 yards for the top five pick for the Indianapolis Colts. It's going to be interesting. There's more NFL action today, including the Lions and the Panthers, Patriots facing the Titans, Chargers versus the 49ers. That game is at 7 p.m. Those are the three games tonight. Let's keep on going to see the rest of the slate where divisional opponents are in action for the Raiders, Browns visiting the Chiefs tomorrow at 10 in the morning. So that's an early game for you guys. And then tomorrow at 6 p.m., the Broncos and the Rams take uh, face each other off at mile high. So those are the divisional opponents, of course, the Raiders. Raiders against the Cowboys tomorrow at 5 p.m. It's going to be interesting, Raider Nation. I mean, unlike the Jets that are going to be playing Aaron Rodgers in the third game, which I don't understand. The third game is the final game of the preseason. It's usually the second to last preseason game where you would see the starters in action for the last time. The Jets are actually going to play Aaron Rodgers in their matchup in week three of the preseason against the Giants at 3 p.m. tomorrow. So it's going to be interesting what goes down there with the squad. So let's hear what Aaron Rodgers had to say with that. There's always that risk-reward. I think over the years it just hasn't made sense based on a number of different factors. But I used to enjoy playing the preseason back in my younger years just to kind of maybe take that first hit or feel the kind of the nerves in the first drive. So I look forward to being out there. And especially with the nerves of knowing how that offensive line is playing. You hear reports out of New York that – Aaron Rodgers would be getting sacked over and over and over again, and I'm pretty sure he wants to feel confident with that offensive line in front of him, and I doubt that Robert Sala is going to send out the threes to protect Aaron Rodgers. He's going to send out his starting unit and be like, guys, you got Aaron Rodgers out there. You got 12. Make sure that you stop him. Or did he change his jersey number out there in in New York? Let me check that. Aaron Rodgers, Jets, jersey. Did he switch to eight? Yeah, he's yeah, he's number 8 now. Not 12 anymore. He's 8 with the New York Jets. So it's going to be interesting and you know what? I might end up watching that game just with that first drive whenever he's out there on the field while I'm installing the equipment out here at the Deportes Vegas studio, I'll be tuning in to that Jets Giants game to see how Aaron Rodgers looks out there on the field, but it's the NFL. Everybody does things a different way. While you got coaching staffs like the Broncos with Sean Payton talking about Jerry Judy's injury right after it happened and what kind of injury and that he might be out for a couple of weeks. And you got Kansas City and Andy Reid talking about the contract dilemma with Chris Jones. 
and there's folks that are very open and like informing everybody about everything. You got other teams like the Raiders and the current coaching staff or the Bill Belichick's of the world with the New England Patriots that they like saying mum. They like not talking much about anything unless they have to. You don't see injury reports until the week prior to week one in the NFL regular season. So you don't have to report anything. When Brandon Faison got hurt, it was like, yep, he's hurt. Well, can we know what the injury is? Nope. Or Darian Butler when he got hurt. And unfortunately, the second-year linebacker out of ASU, uh, he won't be able to play this season. Adam Hill asked uh, Josh McDaniels about it, and McDaniels said that it was a season-ending injury. When Adam asked him, well, season-ending, can we know what it is? Season-ending injury. Some people prefer staying quiet some people love being open so everybody is their own different way just like in life you got people that are being chismosos and talking about everything in life and you got people who like minding their own business and right here in vegas there's people in the fan base in raider nation that i see on social media that want to see everything that want to hear everything that want to know everything well in the raiders front office there's no leaks in the Raiders' business and the Raiders' way of doing things, very few times we found out things before the front office tells us. Look at the schedule release as a clear example. The Green Bay Packers, we knew their whole schedule a full day before the schedule was released. Why? Because they would leak it to their beat writers. They would leak it to their reporters from local TV stations and people that cover them in Wisconsin. Out here in Las Vegas, we only knew through leaks from other teams. You don't got people telling you, hey, this is happening. Talk about it. No, they like being mum, and that's the way that the organization works. For good or for bad, I think it's more for good that they're able to do things their own way, just like we do things our own way here on Raider Nation Radio. I appreciate Bobby Machado for that Aaron Rodgers cut that he played without us having it pre-planned. So shout-out to Bobby in the controls. He does a fantastic job. Raider Nation, 702-365-9200. It's your final opportunity to call in because we're going to be talking some baseball after we come back from our final commercial break. So... Sorry? We're not talking baseball in our final break? After our final break? We could talk a little baseball, but there's one topic that's oh, just absolutely. a little more important to you and I than baseball. At absolutely. The and absolutely. that's saying something because baseball is important to both of us. Huge for both you and I. And yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about the death of Bray Wyatt after we come back from this commercial break and I'm starving I'm hungry so after the show is over I'm gonna go to Grimaldi's because it's hands down my favorite pizza in Las Vegas only at Grimaldi's can you get famous New York style coal fired brick oven pizza that you crave Grimaldi's has four locations in the Vegas Valley Summerlin the Strip at the Palazzo South Las Southwest Las Vegas and in Green Valley for more visit GrimaldisPizzeria.com Be back together again someday. I saw it. 
in my dreams. This is the Firefly Funhouse. And my name is Bray Wyatt. Yowie wowie, we're gonna have so much fun here. This, this is my special place. And all my fireflies can feel safe here. And I cannot wait to show you all what I've learned. I'll always light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. We're here, is what Bray Wyatt would say right there with his Wyatt family. I mean, this guy was a genius, Wyndham Rotunda, and... Um, he passed away yesterday at the age of 36. Uh, fun fact that some knew, some didn't. He was a member of the Raider Nation. He was a Raider fan. And he would go see the team in Oakland. He would follow the team. He would post about them on social media. So I got to meet him once. He was the friendliest wrestler I've ever met. And I posted it on Instagram yesterday. I've met hundreds of wrestlers in my life, and I'm fortunate about it. And Bray Wyatt, I mean, that guy, he just blew me away the way that he was just so approachable by his fans and he was able to make people connect with him in different ways instead of just doing what he did in the ring because there's wrestlers who are amazing in the ring but they don't have the character development they don't know how to evolve from year to year from month to month and do different things and Bray Wyatt he had an instant connection with the fans the moment that he became Bray Wyatt. And Bobby, this is a guy that left us way too soon at 36 years old yesterday. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, look, I, my wrestling era ended at 2001. As soon as they sold ECW, I was done. There's only two wrestlers of the modern era that I pay any attention to. One is Asuka because she's one of my neighbors. She lives right up here on Sumlin. And the other one is Bray Wyatt. This guy was amazing. I, You know, not to talk about his wrestling skills because he was average. But the guy, way this guy would work a mic, some of the stuff he would put together. I remember once he did a show, it might have been over at the Thomas and Mac or whatever. And when he came out, he had, you know, his little lantern back. This is before yep. the Fiend thing. That was Bray Wyatt. Yep. And he'd come out and he'd have his little lantern with him. And the entire place lit up with cell phone lights. It had to be 16,000 cell phone lights all over the entire arena. It was amazing. I'll one-up you, Bobby. I oh, was please. at WrestleMania 32 in Dallas where the Wyatt family interrupted The Rock. Dwayne Johnson was in the middle of the mm -hmm. ring, and yep. they, the Wyatt family came out with Luke Harper, also rest in peace, Bro Brody Lee, and you look over at Luke Harper, uh, Eric Rowan as well. They came out, and can you imagine over 80,000 fans all around the stadium? Oh, yeah. Like you said, they turned the lights off, and everybody with their cell phones out with the lights. It was a sight to be seen that if you weren't there, you wouldn't believe how impactful this guy was. And if you were just some mediocre wrestler that nobody cared about, nobody would light up all those lights. A lot of people really love this guy, not just for his wrestling skills. I've seen videos of this guy meeting his fans, like little kids and whatnot, online. They've been fantastic. Every one of them, he's this big, hulking, smiling giant. Oh, and by the way, one more thing I got to say. Firefly Funhouse is probably one of the most genius things I've seen in wrestling since the NWO. That thing was funny and scary as hell all at once. Yeah, I would see clips on Twitter because I haven't seen WWE pretty much since the beginning of AEW because they lost me. 
And yeah, I, yeah, I know they lost me a long time ago. Yeah, and too. I was like, you know what? I'm not into it. I want to watch AEW, and that's pretty much my wrestling uh, viewing nowadays. But I would keep up on social media and see how he evolved from the White family, from having the family around him, and Braun Strowman eventually adding up to them and ha- having that four-man group. But then it just became uh, The Fiend, The Firefly Funhouse, everything he did. The whole did. thing with Alexa Bliss, who, by the way, my granddaughter is a huge Alexa Bliss fan, so she's bummed today. Exactly, and it's every and they had big plans. And unfortunately, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, his health wasn't able to come back to a point where he came back into the ring fightful select reported that he had just uh he was close to coming back that he had surpassed something that was life-threatening yeah, and he had like a, a heart rhythm issue or something like that exactly and that and 36 i mean gone way too too soon and you look back at his wrestlemania moments when he had that match against john cena at wrestlemania 30 pure, pure bleep and genius because guys you no, got to remember something no here, but okay? first here the wrestlemania 31 was the one that they had if i recall correctly san francisco 2014 yeah it might have been san francisco at the santa clara stadium but then also wrestlemania 31 with the undertaker but the one that you're talking about was the pandemic one yep that was wrestlemania uh, 36 yeah it was 2020 it was like about april of 2020 the whole thing had just the bleep it hit the fan and they weren't going to sure they weren't sure if they're going to cancel wrestlemania instead what they decided to do was film these little film these matches that were kind of it's hard to explain. It's almost like a movie, but it's also a wrestling match. It was really well done. The one with Wyatt was great. The one with The Undertaker was fantastic. But honestly, I mean, the one the one with Wyatt and John Cena, where he just keeps crawls in his head and just starts messing with him. And then they had like the visual, the uh, video jump cuts of him going back and forth in time. And it was really well done. You really ch- check it out on YouTube. What was worth your effort? Exactly. That was pretty much like the Firefly Funhouse match that they had there. And oh, I love that. Yeah, and that I mean, great. I mean, that's that's a tough. Blow I mean, it's not the greatest match I ever saw, but oh, Jesus, no. the whole thing was set up so well. It was just great. Here's the thing, Bobby. He made you care. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of wrestlers nowadays that they go and they put out an exciting match, an incredible physical things that you're like, how the heck do they do that? Yep. But then the match mm-hmm. ends one, two, three, and you're like, okay, that was a cool match. But they don't make you want to be like, I want to tune in next week to see what he has to say or see what in what new character idea he comes out with that makes me care. And Bray Wyatt, he always made you care. You said it. Yeah. From bell to bell, he wasn't the best. Not he was, close. He was a decent wrestler, not fantastic. He's no super fly or anything like that. But, man, just the, the, the mic work stuff he used to do. I mean, obviously, it came up in his family. His dad, Mike Rotondo, obviously. His grandfather, Blackjack Mulligan from the 70s WWF yeah. um his uncle Barry Windham those his kind brother of- Bo Dallas yeah i mean it was in the family and that was a hard blow yesterday i yeah. was at i was uh waiting for Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly over at Raiders headquarters and my good friend Asif shout out to him he texted me he's like bro did you find out that Bray Dall- Bray Wyatt died i was like what and i checked social media the Triple H announcement and it was just it was difficult, man. Yeah. I mean, well, you, especially after you know Terry Funk passed away a couple of days ago. Exactly, you know? and you go you go back a couple of uh, months back. We were talking about it here on the show with the death of Jay Briscoe, another member of the Raider Nation that I'll, passed I'll, away too I'll, soon. I'll say this real quick, and we got to get to the highlights. We only got a few minutes left. Helen Yee, you guys know Helen Yee, right? She used to do that boxing show, that yeah. MMA show over here, okay? she um, She's like a huge wrestling fan, huge, huge, huge. And she knows that there was only one wrestler that I really actually gave a crap about, and that was Bray Wyatt. So she went out, went 
got a bunch of little, you know, what do you call them, action figures, figures or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I've got about two or three of them sitting over in my office. They've been sitting there for years, but... Yeah, you always support the people that you like and yeah. that you enjoy and that you're like, yo, this is a that was me with the Young Bucks and Kenny and Cody when they were putting out AEW, mm-hmm. I would buy anything that I could that I was like, yo, got to show support to to the people that put stuff out that make you enjoyable and that's me. Wednesday nights I, I don't do anything from 5 to 7, Bobby. I've been offered gigs to work from 5 to 7, and I'm like, that's the two hours of the week that I'm unavailable because that's my AEW watching time. You, you do know there's this thing called a DVR? I know there's a thing called okay. DVR, but I don't want to get spoiled on results on or on matches. on Stay, already off, stay, having... stay off the websites, dude. It's nah, not that I mean, difficult. Well, for me, it's part of my job. Staying on Twitter, staying on Instagram, staying yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, but that, that part, you know. But by the way, in case you guys are wondering, uh, SmackDown tonight on Fox. I know it's local here on Channel 5. It's wherever you guys may happen to be. It's on Fox TV. Uh, they're blowing off the matches today. They're going to do a whole two-hour tribute to Bray Wyatt. You really ought to check it out. If you have no idea who this guy is, look at this. You'll be like, wow, this, was, this guy was incredible. Exactly, and we were talking about it before we started the show. Who was the last wrestler that passed away uh, being active in WWE? I know you looked it up. Who was it? Yeah, I looked it up, and Chris Benoit. Completely different situation, completely different scenario. And and honestly, that was a long time ago, too. That was almost like 14 years. Yeah, So all these exact date, June 24, 2007. Right, so all these people that sit there and talk about wrestlers just dropping like flies, that's actually not really the case. Yeah, you have retired wrestlers that pass away, but active wrestlers, it's... That doesn't uh, happen very often. Exactly, so rest in peace, Bray Wyatt, Wyndham Rotunda, a big loss for the wrestling community. Let's switch gears, ladies and gentlemen, and you know that when Harry Ruiz is here filling in for JT the Brick, that means that we're going to talk baseball with you guys, and yeah, I'm sorry, I'm the annoying Dodger fan that when the Dodgers are playing, I'm going to talk about them either good or bad. I've been here a couple of times when they weren't doing as well, and I would say my piece about them. Right now, they're kicking butt. Yesterday, doubleheader against the Cleveland Guardians, and Mookie, he was incredible in the first game. That swings, hits a drive to left. This one heading back to the wall. It is off the wall. Outman will score. Rosario in right behind him. Mookie is in with a two-run double. He is five for five. Mr. Neverett, right? Right there with their, on the broadcast. We hear his son on the aviator side doing his thing as well. The Dodgers won the first game of the doubleheader where Mookie went 5-4-5 five five in that game. And then we passed over to the later game where the, the Dodgers faced the Guardians and Mookie was good. Kike was better. Oh, one to Kike Hernandez, who hammers one deep to left center. This ball's back. It is gone. A home run for Kike. Three extra base hits in the game. Kike Hernandez makes it 9-3. to three. Kike has been an all-star since he joined the Dodgers. Thank you, Bobby, for trading him from the Red Sox to the Dodgers. L.A. 78-48. and 48. I know you have nothing to do with it, but I was like, hey, you're a Red Sox fan, so I just had to mention that. Uh, Dodgers actually facing the Red Sox this weekend out there in Fenway Park, kicking off today, 4-10 p.m. Ugh, Apple TV, that first game. I forgot all about that. They are taking on each other this week, huh? Yep, yep. We got to bet something uh, before we leave the station today. I'm in radio. I can't afford to bet bleep. Something. Uh, Two tacos from Taco Bell. I can't afford two tacos at Taco Bell. I'm in radio. (laughs) There you go. Dodgers 12-game lead over second place in the National League West. The Arizona Diamondbacks, who they got a guy that's kicking you-know-what out there. 
pitch coming up here on two and two to Corbin Carroll. And a fly ball to right. Hit it pretty well. Back of the warning track at the wall. It's gone. Carroll did it. A two-run shot. And he's given the Diamondbacks a lead three to two. Corbin Carroll, he's having a fantastic year right now as a rookie and all-star, and he's keeping the D-backs alive, at least trying to fight for a wildcard spot because we know that the division is out of reach. The Cubs, they're also staying hot out there in Wrigley Field. Here comes the one-two. Hap hits a drive toward right center field. Coming in the right fielder, Joe cannot make the catch. It's in there for a base hit. Joe bobbles the ball. Here comes Dansby Swanson. He scores. Half goes to second. Cubs lead 5-3. Extra innings win for the Cubbies. If you look over at the National League Central, they're only three games back for the divisional lead, and they actually right now have the last playoff spot in the National League, so things are interesting. That's why they kept Bellinger. He reached that uh, MVP potential level once again, and the Cubbies, they're fighting for second place right now in the National League Central, but also not far away from the lead. Well, I mean, come on. It's the NL Central. I mean, pretty much anybody qualifies to be in the in in contention. Actually, and and same thing with the wild card. You talk about the Cubbies right now, their record, 67 and 60. You look over at the American League, you got a team in Boston that would be from the outside looking in in the playoff picture with a better record, 68 and 60. So, National League, a little bit lower tier. They got the top two teams in baseball, though, Atlanta and the Dodgers. Let's see if the Raiders once again finish preseason undefeated. Not worth much, but I prefer watching my boys win instead of lose, even if it's just, air quotes, preseason. Tomorrow, the game here on Raider Nation Radio, 5 o'clock, JT the Brick with um, Eric Allen and Lincoln Kennedy. Kickoff, 5 o'clock. But the pregame show with your boy Q starts at 3. So make sure you tune in the whole time because Q will be in action. Bobby will be out here in the controls. And Raider Nation, we got to get this thing rolling and we're going to the ball over to Q. Unnecessary roughness starts in five minutes. Stay tuned. Thanks, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you soon.